thank you for listening to Wolfcast and Pod, the episode-by-episode breakdown of Angel the Television series. We will be discussing each episode in detail, so we have no concern for spoilers and the like. Please enjoy. Intriguing notion. Psychiatry through magic. Instant cures for phobias, compulsions, identity crises. Hey, look at me. I'm Angel. He doesn't generally spin that much. Right. This is Angel. Oh no, I can't do anything fun tonight. I have to count my past sins, then alphabetize them. Oh, by the way, I'm thinking of snapping on Friday. You know, I love Angel and everything, but right now I'm so glad he's headed the other way. message from the higher powers it's another episode of wolfcast and pod where we discuss angel the television series episode by episode breaking it down and uh having done a couple of these i can now say for sure we do it faster than the episodes themselves take hooray so i can cut that part of the intro out <laughs> Or you can leave it in and just be celebratory about the fact that we just power through. Yeah. Well, I mean, I changed the format is the thing. So that's Mm. why it goes faster now. But uh, that's the voice of Kara joining me, Ruben, to do this thing that you're listening to. Hello. Hi. (laughs) I'm super sick. So sorry that sometimes I can't pronounce certain letters properly. Just bear with me. You should go super Canadian when you're sick. Like, ridiculous, over-the-top, fake Canadian accent. Is that what happens when people sound sick? Yes. Oh, really? Canadians? <laughs> it doesn't happen to non-Canadians. Well, they go super Canadian if they're really <laughs> ill. I can, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, I can do that, bud. Like, <laughs> take a rip on the hard top, go smoke some darts. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, that's fair. Uh... A rip on the hard top is when you go out in a car. So we actually say whip as well. So like go out for a rip in the whip on the hard top um, is going out for a drive in your car on the pavement rather than on the uh, rugged gravel roads, which are abundant throughout our great nation. Mm-hmm. And then some, uh, grabbing some darts. Uh, darts are cigarettes in Canadian. Oh. Uh, so yeah, you smoke some darts. And yeah, we call them cigarettes. Yes. <laughs> smokes. I... <laughs> or Lucy's. Lucy's, yeah. That's what happens if you like get ones, uh, like just buy them for like whatever, 10 cents a piece, right? Yeah, sure, it's more expensive than that, but yeah. yeah. Um, loose cigarette. That's uh, that's what I used to pay back in the days of university when you would, uh, they were called natives. So you would go to uh, the like reserves, First Nations reserves, and 
they would sell you cartons of their own like cigarettes that they, uh, you know, professionally rolled and put into cartons and they were super, super cheap. So that's what all of the university students smoked. Also highly illegal to purchase from reserves. But anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know why I went into such a Canadian tangent. Maybe this episode will roll over the actual amount of time. Uh, should I go into... Or maybe my joke is real. You just become extra Canadian the sicker you are. <laughs> well, you asked me to perform as such. But yes, you're right. Probably I am a little bit more Canadian. I'll just start saying refused. sorry. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, but yes... Uh, I'm not doing anything, so I don't have any news to catch our listener up on. Perfect. Hi, Patrick. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you want to try to give us the plot description of Guys Will Be Guys, go for it. I can try. Uh, okay, so uh, Angel, well, basically, first of all, uh, Wesley gets treated like a secretary when a potential client comes in and just wants to speak to Angel uh, to set that up. And then we cut to Wolfram and Hart's uh, offices where Angel is storming in with Gunn because he believes that's where Darla is. Uh, Cordelia and Wesley appear out of nowhere and don't let him continue with his plan and then suddenly we cut to Caritas for uh, Angel to talk to Lauren uh, about his troubles who then refers Angel to a Swami in Ojai Uh, a really sketchy person meanwhile comes back to the office looking for Angel Uh, he threatens Cordelia if she doesn't bring Angel out thinks that she's lying Wesley comes to the rescue pretends to be Angel, gets taken at gunpoint to uh, the goon's boss, Magnus Bryce, who is a powerful uh, business magnet, apparently. Uh, Somebody's threatening his daughter, whose name is Virginia, and he needs Angel to act as her bodyguard. And uh, so uh, Wesley meets Virginia, is brought along on a shopping trip with her. Uh, Two men show up to uh, try to take Virginia away in the store. Uh, She tells them that she's with Angel. They freak out, go away. (laughs) Uh, Wesley discovers that this this group of men works for Paul Lanier, which is one of Bryce's competitors. Uh, Angel, meanwhile, is at the cabin where the Swami uh, talks to somebody, um, well, basically to Angel for a little bit, and then talks to somebody else, and it's this guy, Paul Lanier. He isn't sure uh, how much longer he can keep up his impression of a Swami, uh, and then Lanier gets puzzled because he just saw Angel at Bryce's house, but of course it was Wesley. Uh, Virginia starts to find Wesley really cute. Things get intimate uh and wesley tries to tell her who he is but ends up instead sleeping with her uh next morning gun comes to the swami's cabin uh swami punches him out (laughs) and uh angel sees the uh transpirers going on and uh anyway gets uh the swami taunts angel 
thinking he's safe in the sun, but Angel is... Anyway, whatever. <laughs> it just keeps... It's very convoluted. Uh, anyhow, cutting back to Bryce's place, uh, he realizes that Wesley's a fraud, uh, makes sure that Virginia knows, and uh, has this birthday coming up and a sacrificial altar where it seems like the guest of honor is going to be sacrificed is Virginia. Gosh, this is a long one. <laughs> so anyway, there's this goddess uh, that they're sacrificing Virginia to. Goddess shows up. Uh, apparently Virginia had to be a virgin, but she's not. So the goddess vanishes and Bryce is really upset uh, <laughs> later on, they get back to the Hyperion and, uh, Cordy brings in a tabloid magazine, uh, showing Virginia with her new bodyguard to the stars, Wesley. And, uh, Cordelia is jealous because Wesley's getting some press and Angel is jealous because the article calls the company the Wyndham Price Agency. So that's, uh... That Sorry. Yeah, go. normally I cut a lot of stuff out. That was actually <laughs> very well done and quick, considering you went through actually literally every scene of the of the episode. <laughs> so good job. Uh, um, it was. There were a lot of scenes too. It was. It was pretty heavy on the on the different things happening. So thank you. <laughs> I like this episode. I gave it a B plus. I have some issues with. Um, Virginia and Wesley's courtship, which we will get into. But uh, while I don't love every comedy episode, I sure love the comedy music. And when they put the comedy music with stuff that I'm finding funny, I always really like it. <laughs> you don't get to was, hear the comedy music a lot. Uh, it's true. It was first uh, introduced in Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. I think it's the name of the episode where Xander accidentally casts a love spell on the entirety of Sunny except for Cordelia while trying to cast one on Cordelia and uh it's I've never uh <laughs> I never get bored of it <laughs> I always want more comedy music it feels so out of place especially in Angel you know what I mean like it really <laughs> caught me off guard I was like wait a second what's happening never feels out of place to me <laughs> it's got a place right in my heart what did you think of this episode um i thought aside from some kind of loose ends that don't really get tied up uh which is one of my pet peeves um that it was it was a pretty fair episode i would probably give it a b b minus a little bit lower than you do ruben um yeah i guess also this isn't fair to the episode but it was is fair to my sort of place that we're at in the series. There's the master uh, season arc or even series arc that uh, I'm more interested in seeing move forward at this point uh, rather than the sort of like baddie of the week stuff. Um, although this episode is uh, pretty entertaining um, for a few reasons, but yeah, that's sort of, my take, there are a couple of problematic things, as you sort of suggested. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, it's a fun holiday romp. 
just because it's <laughs> holiday season and actually that's going to be uh, irrelevant by the time that this gets aired. So anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's okay. It's a long running tradition on this podcast to reference things that will not be at all relevant at the time <laughs> Enjoy listening to this in March. <laughs> <laughs> well, not that long. I know. Like late January. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't really do much with, I guess, the season arc, but uh, this is one of the first episodes that sort of lays the groundwork for where Wesley's character is going to go. So I don't think it's totally useless. Mm. And uh, it it's a, a weird way to establish that is like Wesley becomes like a more serious character by pretending to be someone else. <laughs> yeah. I hate the beginning. Oh yeah. Way. There's so <laughs> much just stuff that didn't need to happen. It's like um that guy is a bad actor. The guy who shows up who I assume is working for the other magician. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's never explained, but I assume he he wants to hire Angel away before um, our main magician can get to him. Uh, (laughs) And Wesley falls over and knocks a bunch of stuff out. And the only thing that I like about the scene is Cordelia walking up and being like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, the usual driving away clients, spilling things everywhere, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Just because he has a good line delivery. But, um... (laughs) And I just wanted to make one note about this scene, which is what type of business does not foist work off onto their secretaries? That guy acts like that's an insult to their business. Like, every business gets more work. Uh, like <laughs> It's like the whole point of a secretary mm-hmm. is to divvy up the work to the correct departments and to sometimes decide that that's not the type of work that they could handle. Mm-hmm. Gatekeeping? <laughs> It's a very important job of an administrative person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's being insulting by calling a male a secretary, but it's fine. Anyone can be a secretary. It's a very useful and important job. That's why they have them. And then Cordelia actually emasculates Wesley, too, which is pretty funny. Yeah. Do, do you have any man's clothes? <laughs> anyway. So poor Wes yeah. at the beginning of this episode has a bit of a rough go. And uh, I guess since we're talking about Wesley, let's maybe talk about that part first, which is, um, as you mentioned in the plot description, he meets this woman named Virginia, and they like each other, and uh, she decides that she wants to have sex with him, and he they try to poorly lampshade the fact that he uh, lied to her by him saying that he's not Angel, but she kisses him and she can't hear him. <laughs> yeah. Kisses drown yeah. out truth, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, a known fact. And they end up having sex because apparently he can't, like, stop her and be like, hey, did you hear me? When <laughs> I said I'm not Angel. <laughs> um, yeah. Just one so, second. Let's just let's just wait and make sure that everything is clear. <laughs> <laughs> that there isn't a case of mistaken identity that might be swaying you in a certain direction. Yeah. I mean, I think the sort of only thing that you could... Like, it seems like 
that this show can't seem to get away from wanting to do stuff like this, but that someone has like tapped them on the shoulder that it's like bad. So they're trying to do all these things to, you know, make it okay when it's still not really. So it's like she likes him because he doesn't act how Angel would have acted in this scenario. She wouldn't have fallen for Angel if it was actually Angel here because Angel wouldn't listen to what she was saying and then like empathize with it like Wesley does. <laughs> Angel would have been like, yeah. I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> paying attention to bad guys um and then of course you get this lampshading that i just mentioned of him being like well, i tried to tell the truth but i i couldn't but like why <laughs> uh, yeah a little bit of a weak moment de deal oh. with the complicated writing around of like how the two of them would deal with him initially lying I don't know it would be a boring scene I guess but necessary he'd be like your dad uh, was threatening my friend so I pretended to be Angel <laughs> I'm sorry I lied to you but that was why and easy, then I easy. just couldn't couldn't get away from it because you just seem so interested in this angel like mythos but anyway yeah it would have been a boring scene but uh, it would have been, I mean, nice to sort of do that little bit of shoring up <laughs> the, like, not, I don't know what the word is, like, uh, deceptiveness of it all. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> the deception. That's the only way that people ever have sex with each other, because otherwise it's just too disgusting to imagine having sex with a person with, like, flaws or, you know. Hmm. So you got to lie, and then once they're pot committed, <laughs> then then you can start a relationship. Yeah, exactly. You just have to, like, keep going with the, with the ruse. Because at the end of the day, they end up, you know, cozying up with each other. So obviously it couldn't have been too big of a transgression in terms of Virginia's perceptions of it, uh, which seems reasonable to me. <laughs> sarcastically I say anyway um, and I guess since we're talking about how women in real life would act as opposed to how Virginia acts in this episode get to uh, and I guess spoken uh, you know confusion transgression which is that the writers managed to realize that there's probably not any many 24-year-old women virgins. <laughs> and the fact that her dad thinks that he can keep her that way is really ridiculous. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Putting aside the notion that virginity is a myth created by men to control women. but Yeah. Starting from the fictional premise of virginity existing. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a shame that Virginia also gets slut-shamed a little bit uh, by Gunn, specifically, which is, like, anyway, not... Is it shame? He doesn't act <laughs> like... Well... I mean, I guess his line when he says, I, I could have told you she wasn't no virgin. <laughs> I mean... I feel like saying that is not implying like 
hooray, I celebrate <laughs> her uh, autonomy to live her life the way that, you know, is authentic to her. Like, I don't know. I, <laughs> I didn't read that subtext in it. it I guess it There's was. definitely some objectification going on there because he checks her out when she's leaving. Yeah. Uh, he certainly didn't seem ashamed of her. Uh, free sexuality. He seemed more into it. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Possibly directed his way. And I think that the one, like, warlock dude or whatever who sneaks out, uh, when she says, like, I, she's like, I used to sleep with Kevin all the time. And then he just, like, tiptoes away. <laughs> is maybe the funniest moment in the entire episode. It is super <laughs> funny. Like, because you can't even, you, his face is cloaked. So you yeah. just see this little sneaking happen. It's really well done. The timing and the actual framing and, like, blocking of it is perfect. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's totally believable that that guy would, you know, be helping plan this event and know that she needs to be <laughs> a virgin in order for the dad's spell to work, but show up anyways and help him set it up and just be like, oh God, I hope this just works somehow, even though I know it can't. <laughs> yeah, like, I didn't think that much about it, but it's like, yeah, I guess I'll set up the chains. Yeah, sure. Like, this is nothing to see here. Definitely you know, Kevin, you've been really helpful all these years. You're definitely going <laughs> to see something once I get all this power. Oh, oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> that's, that's exciting. I'm excited to definitely get that thing that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, that promotion. Uh, hooray. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a really good moment for sure. Um, yeah, and that... Um, is something that in general I like about the show, but I like how even during serious situations, if something petty comes up, everyone will be involved with their own like individual things. Like there's this, I don't know, demon thing that may need to be fought and angels obsessed with people not knowing. I mean, with knowing that he's not a eunuch. (laughs) (laughs) The curse isn't even clear really, but yeah. And uh, Wesley's like, you know, so relieved when he finds out that she's not a virgin. He's like, oh, thank God. (laughs) No one seems concerned with the actual imminent danger. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or the fact that it's like, yeah, this guy totally was going to kill his daughter, MBD. Yeah. Well, she slaps him, so that's equivalent. Even Steven. (laughs) Well, she's the only one upset about it, and to be fair, she was the only one who was threatened by it. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's like nobody Wesley else really seems stands a up little for bit her. threatened. He doubles down on going to save her, right? Because he's on the hook for like a few <laughs> seconds. <laughs> They're just like, ah, oh, whatever. You well, can yeah. fend for yourself. Let's just worry about our own individual issues because we're totally grown ups. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something that I. I like about the show and seems human is that like, you know, the scene before he, I mean, he obviously has feelings for her and he like, you know, gets the gang all geared up and he takes charge in a way which he hasn't so far in the series because he's uh, invested in Virginia's well-being. And then he gets there and finds out that he might also be in trouble and then totally <laughs> refocuses on himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is a pretty human moment, I guess. That is uh, <laughs> that is the tendency of people to be flawed. 
at some in some capacity and this was uh, a lot of flaws happening in this uh <laughs> climactic scene for sure <laughs> it's very funny i think it's funny that's the whole scene <laughs> well couldn't like just a second couldn't this bryce dude have found like any other virgin like yes right it seems like it didn't have to be his you know daughter <laughs> anyhow yeah. maybe there's um i don't know uh like the amount of powers related to the depth of the sacrifice or something. Mm. Suppose is... there's some stranger in the street. <laughs> yeah. Is your love so deep, though, if you are willing to sacrifice it? Hmm. Well, that's the catch-22 of the whole situation, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um... The other thing that I really wanted to talk about is the fake Swami, the guy from uh, Boston or something who <laughs> pretends to help Angel out uh, and his bad feelings about Darla and uh, just sort of ties into, I guess, like a general theme of the um, show, which is that... Mm, Things they say aren't completely wrong. Like, you don't have to lie to be a bad dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's pretty on point the whole way through. Um, and I think that's really cool. I don't know. That, like, he's just sort of, like, coming up with stuff to, like, keep Angel distracted. But, like, most of it is, you know, <laughs> related to things that are actual real issues with Angel. Mm. Um, he's very yeah. into image on both extremes like um, you know when he's angel when he's angel crime fighter you know he's got this look or whatever and when he felt really bad about himself and thought he was a horrible person you know he never showered and dressed in rags and ate rats like <laughs> yeah he's he really performs the <laughs> way that he feels like, the inside has to be on the outside. Uh, yeah, and that that extreme performance has to deal with his... What's up? Were you saying something? No, I didn't, I didn't say anything. Okay. I said um, that that extreme performance ties into uh, sort of his uh, fear of you know, the level of which Angelus the vampire and Angel the uh, insoled vampire um, overlap. Uh, and the idea that if he has this outer performative version, that that has to be the true one and that there can't be anything buried underneath it. Mm. What do you think? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Ugh, so sick. Um, yeah, like I, I think that you're right. There is that sort of uh, reality to what the 
fake Swami who maybe actually does have some real Swami characteristics is uh, noting about Angel and his uh, his sort of insecurity, I guess, or like uh, faux uh, nonplussed exterior where he really is plussed, I guess, <laughs> most of the time. Uh, yeah, like one of the things that um, they f- like, I guess, fight about is that, um, and just like I have to, you know, make sure that the demon never gets out. And he's like, but the demon is you. And um, sort of like if Angel didn't feel like the demon was something that is an actual part of who he is, he wouldn't feel like he needed to grieve and atone for what it did. Right, he would have just woken mm. up one day with the soul and been like, "Oh, well, that was that dude. <laughs> that has nothing to do with me." Mm. Right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, he uh, he definitely seems to well, like all the time, be super emo about you know <laughs> how he behaved previously. Like that's kind of his whole thing, <laughs> like. I'm, I am so terrible because I was so terrible. Um, um, unless I'm totally, like, uh, off the mark there. But he's uh, he seems to be pretty, uh, yeah, unable to kind of just, like, as much as he talks about moving on or he talks about sort of like, yeah, you know, like having a soul, it changes things. It doesn't really. Yeah. I mean, I guess one of the things that he's dealing with is um, to, to what level is he responsible and what, how is he supposed to, what is he supposed to do with that? responsibility what part of him is that and how does he not be that in his uh epiphanied version (laughs) yeah yeah i guess that there's also kind of like i don't know not i'm going a bit on a tangent but there is always the possibility that will kind of he will be that again which he is aware of like uh there are there have been times where he has you know lost his soul and it's something that has sort of been uh, even recently brought up by Darla right whose goal was is to make him bad again yeah uh, so it's hard to kind of escape that uh, that looming you know this was his past but it could be his future sort of. Uh, yeah, fear, which kind of keeps him stuck in this, like, (laughs) perpetually, uh, remorseful space, I guess. And it's almost like he's pre-remorseful for what's going to happen the next time. Mm Mm-hmm. And then um, it's funny uh, in retrospect that the Swami's sort of stereotypically bad guy advice 
is uh, in indication of his faux swaminess, I guess. The fact that he's not he's not giving good advice is that he gives mm. this like stereotypically bad advice, and then we find out immediately afterwards that he's a fake swami. <laughs> that advice being that you know, in order to get over Dawa, that he should do what he did to Buffy. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, Which I guess did advice. help him get over <laughs> <laughs> Darla previously. So why not again? Maybe it isn't such bad advice. <laughs> <laughs> but how did he get over Buffy? <laughs> Just left? <laughs> Ran away? <laughs> Slash didn't get over Buffy? Yeah. Did he get over Buffy? Well, I guess he did. No, he never gets over Buffy. <laughs> he did for her sake, or he pretended to for her sake, but yeah. Maybe he just needs another another little blonde thing. Oh, by the way, the name of the guy that Virginia slept with was Rick, by the way, since I have a note that says Rick leaving, the star by it, to indicate that I thought it was funny. Not Kevin. <laughs> Yeah, not Kevin. I think Kevin is just as funny as Rick, but <laughs> if not funnier. Rick the Warlock. <laughs> War Rick. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't let me make puns. I'm too sick. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess my final, I guess, button on the whole Swami business is that in season three of Buffy which is now two seasons ago, there's a part where the mayor says some things that hurt Buffy and Angel's feelings while they're dating. Um, and they're, uh, I think the line is like, he lies with the truth or something like that. Mm. The idea being that like, you know, he's just out to hurt them, blah, blah, blah. And it's like kind of on the right track, maybe like an 18 year old's interpretation of um, but sort of where we're going to end up later in season two is that, um, like surviving the truth is actually kind of hard and just saying things that are true is actually uh, hard to deal with and upsetting it's mm-hmm. people don't have to lie in order to make the world seem scary or hurtful <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much the status quo for what the world's <laughs> like oh. At least to relate it back to our current 2017 mind frame as well. Anyway. Hashtag 2018 when this comes out there. I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> doing that thing where, again, I'm being... Uh, <laughs> I'm recognizing that we're in the past. So... <laughs> uh, the world when this episode comes out in late January might be an entirely different place. Yeah. Maybe everything will be so much better than it is. Uh, that always happens right now. <laughs> the world just keeps getting better. I mm-hmm. like, I have to believe that after it gets really bad and dark, uh, it's getting better for some things. If you just want to look at a certain perspective, like cockroaches, cockroaches, the world is much better now than it was. Um, sure. 10,000 years ago, before Bubonic the humans, plague, humans have made is the world wonderful for like cockroaches and crows and rats. Uh, oh, I see. I see. Yeah. So you're saying like cockroaches are having a better time? 
Yeah. Yeah. Like creatures that have assimilated to the ways in which humans have destroyed the world for most other animals are, you know, having a much better time. We watched this documentary called Leviathan, and there's just like this enormous, you know, tons, hundreds of seagulls that just follow around this fishing boat. And so, like, the seagulls don't have to, like, fish themselves anymore. They just wait and pick up the chum from the boat. <laughs> That's got to be an easier life than it used to be 100 years ago before there were mass fishing boats. Yeah. So from the perspective of seagull, life's pretty good. Out great. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm so happy for cockroaches and seagulls. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, I just have a couple of small notes. Um, I like that Gunn agrees to go with Angel to Wolfram and Hart. Basically, you know, just because he likes adventure. Because he doesn't even really ask what the plan is or anything. He's just like, sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go get ourselves into harm's way. Um, yeah. Some bad jokes about uh, Wesley not being a vampire that they have, they do multiple times. Him walking into a building uninvited, drinking blood, and then pouring it into a plant. Um, hiding the mirror. <laughs> yeah. I like the drinking the blood, too, where he's like, oh, God. Nummy. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> just the word nummy. Just, uh, it's a very uh, Buffy sort of verse thing i feel like you're a nummy treat that kind of stuff um nummy is a great word never hear it outside of that context though i don't know if i've mentioned this before but basil and i call the thing where someone says uh something like we'll be fine as long as there's not a spaceship outside and then it cuts and there's a spaceship outside we call that a weed cut because he loves them uh and he uses them all throughout uh, both shows all the time and so there's a really bad one in this where Cordelia is like what horrible place could Wesley be right now and that cuts to the fancy magic shop with like the you know string orchestra playing or whatever string quartet yeah playing beautiful music and they're sipping champagne <laughs> yeah and I want course- there to be stores like that like maybe <laughs> not with all of the like you know historical uh ritualistic magician wizard stuff but like i mean i guess they probably do exist but like imagine you just had a grocery store like that like where it's like yeah just gonna pick up some milk no big deal (laughs) sip some champagne walking through the aisles not a bad thing to be uh in the uh la elite i guess a pint of milk is $15 in order to cover the cost of the champagne and the orchestra <laughs> and the quartet. <laughs> There's actually a grocery store in Vancouver or a chain of grocery stores that I used to uh, work on as one of my clients. And uh, it's called Urban Fair. And they're like uh, in the sort of ground levels of these really expensive hotels and like slash condo buildings. So like at the base of the Shangri-La hotel is an urban fair and they sell uh, $100 loaves of baguettes that are imported, like flown in from Paris every morning. <laughs> uh, I wish I was joking. And uh, yeah, I those... think you were joking. I okay. That's funny. 
it's ridiculous. No, I mean, like, it's crazy that people will pay for this enough that they keep doing it. Um, and then there's also, they have those square watermelons as well from Japan. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's a bizarre world. And anyway, just that that class divide for a famous <laughs> socialite uh, in the magic dad scene, I guess. <laughs> it's like similar to the uh, ridiculousness. Well, it's of- all capitalism. You know. It's all capitalism, exactly. It's, uh, I don't know if they're consciously critiquing it or just sort of unintentionally doing it, but that's what they're doing in the show. A fair amount of them in heart, this dude. Yeah. Um, TV shows just can't get away from lonely kid, bad dad tropes. As soon as she goes into her sad speech, I was like, oh, can't someone characterize a person in a way that's not this? Yeah. Literally trapped inside, though, for, like, <laughs> decades. And Yeah, well, it's, it's awful. Yeah, woe is but me. Like, uh, you know, if literally all of my friends, like, every time I met them, this was the story they told me, in order for me to empathize with them, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> tell me about, like, a fun time with someone. I'm so tired of this. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Give me a characterization besides sad, sad child. Certainly someone somewhere must have had a happy childhood. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> Doesn't exist. <laughs> and uh, I really don't like that um, Cordy is looking through the mugshots uh, and can't pay attention and looks through the magazine and then finds who she's looking for. And it's like, Cordy's a, a big girl. Now she had her, you know, revelation at the end of season one. Let's just have her find bad guys through traditional research instead of being like, I can't look at a book for a minute. Gotta look at my <laughs> magazines. Where are the celebrity photos? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's pretty, pretty season one Cordelia. You're right. And then, of course, my last sort of mini note is the fishing line bit is really gross. <laughs> when Angel catches the fake Swami with his fish fishing pole. Oh, yeah. And pulls him in by his mouth. Pretty disgusting. But I mean, I guess quick thinking Angel. <laughs> All right. From the website, the Buffy Wikipedia um In Heartthrob, Angel again tries to seek out spiritual guidance uh, at the end of Season 5. This time he visits a group of Sri Lankan monks who turn out to be Shurhat demons. <laughs> Newspaper calls Wesley bodyguard to the stars, which is what Cordelia called Angel after he saved Rebecca Lowell in Eternity. Angel is able to enter Bryce's house without being invited in. In room with a view, he is able to enter Cordelia's house before she invites him in, explaining that she had told him he was always welcome once she found a place and the invitation had taken effect once she signed the lease. This suggests that when Wesley had been invited in, the fact that that invitation had been intended for Angel was sufficient to allow him to enter the house. That is some workarounding. 
<laughs> Wesley becomes the third member of Angel Investigations to drink blood, Angel doing so all the time, and Cordelia having done it in expecting. <laughs> Guest star Bridget Branagh was a main cast member of the short-run vampire drama Kindred the Embraced, playing the role of Sasha. Goofs, bloopers, and continuity errors. Wesley tells Gunn that ho the host reads the souls of demons, although it's generally accepted demons don't have souls in the human sense. Wesley is more likely referring to a general aura associated with the creature's life force. International titles in German. This was called Angel für einen Tag. Angel for a day. And in French it was called Lusupater, the usurper. <laughs> When Wesley drank the cup of blood that Bryce gave him, he was extremely lucky not to get poisoned or even killed, given that drinking blood is extremely dangerous, especially if the blood is not the same type as the drinker. Maybe he threw up shortly after? Unless it was O negative, in which case, universal <laughs> blood donor yeah. probably was okay. He said it was fresh, but he didn't say it was human. <laughs> Is it okay to drink pig's blood for a human? I don't know. Yeah, good point. What? I'm going to assume it's people's blood because the evil. Yeah. But. Yeah. Oh and he well. said it was fresh. That seems Correct. to imply that oh, you're right. from like a human. <laughs> it could be just that he has pigs hanging around in the basement. Yeah. But I'm going to assume. <laughs> well, he just... He just got it from the busher. He went to go pick up some steaks for his 50th birthday party. And was like, oh, I have a vampire coming over. Give me a couple of pints of pig's blood. <laughs> cool. Anything else you want to say about this episode? Uh, no, but I think I'm going to go and grab a pop. Maybe uh, <laughs> check out the turf outside and... Uh, <laughs> give give some fuckers a hard time there. Anyway, that's hey. my <laughs> uh, just getting back on the sick Canadian board boat. If you are enjoying anyway. the the show, the podcast, please subscribe using your podcast listening application and give us a five star rating and review on iTunes. We really do appreciate it. Uh, but for now, this podcast is the one good thing we ever did together, Kara. The only good thing. Aww. <laughs> we make sure to tell the world that. Uh, <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>